The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. Passage for this morning comes from Mark chapter 14, verses 12 through 25. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, Where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the large and went to the city and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. And as they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take. This is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us your word that it is true, Lord, as we consider it this morning. God, we ask that you would speak, that you would nourish us with your presence, through your word, by the power of your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 80s, there was a TV series called The A-Team. And the leader of the group, Hannibal Smith, had a famous catchphrase that he would say at the end of an episode, I love it when a plan comes together. You know, there's a lot of satisfaction. There's this sort of enjoyment that we experience when things go according to plan. For some, perhaps it feeds this this sense of control or can build a self-confidence in one's own abilities. But But I think for most of us who have experienced the fickleness of life, a changing world and the uncertainties that are out there, I think often the satisfaction comes from this sense of relief. As as we experience the anxiety or the anticipation that once filled our hearts give way to, well, certainty. It worked. It worked out. What are the plans 
that you've had this week? What are the plans that you've had that perhaps were frustrated by, by this or, or that? What plans do you have that you're still waiting to find out whether or not it's going to bear fruit? Do you come into this space, in this room, with anxieties or anticipatory hopes? What is it that you have brought with you today? You know, the Lord understands our burdens, and so He has come and He has commanded us to regularly come and feast. To feast according to what I'm calling His meal plan. And in doing so, we might have the opportunity to find rest, rest for our souls. As we look at this passage, the first thing that I want us to notice is the plans of the Lord. Mark 14, verses 12 through 25, we find out that it's Passover. Passover was kind of a big deal in those days. In Deuteronomy 16, 5 through 8, we are told that the Passover feast was only to be celebrated within the walls of Jerusalem. This, this was a big deal. It was a big feast, and it was all in one location. If you think of Christmas and Thanksgiving kind of put together, that's what Passover was like. It was this enormous celebration, a multi-day celebration, and the people would come together in Jerusalem. Now, uh, in those days, the typical population in the city of Jerusalem was about 30,000 people. And Josephus recorded that in 66 AD, there was about 250,000 lambs slaughtered. Now, that's a lot. In fact, if you extrapolate from that and uh, figure mm, about 10 lambs per person, or 10 lambs, I'm sorry, 10 people per lamb, uh, you end up with approximately two and a half million people, and most commentators believe that number is slightly exaggerated. Um, but you get the idea. There was a lot of people that came into Jerusalem on the day and on the week of Passover. Probably 250,000, a quarter million people is probably a little bit more accurate. Can you imagine that? A city of 30,000 all of a sudden for one moment inflates to a city of a quarter million people. That is a lot. Celebration has significance like Christmas and Thanksgiving combined. You come for this great celebration and this meal. You know, that would require some planning. That would require some preparation. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm going to host Thanksgiving or I'm going to host Christmas and I think we're just going to wing it this year? No, it doesn't go like that. There is planning, there is preparation, there are things that have to get ready. And then imagine that you have a city where all of a sudden you have a flooding of people similar to, well, perhaps playoff season during a Super Bowl run. Try finding an Airbnb in Green Bay on a playoff weekend. It's difficult. It requires preparation. It requires planning. And so here Jesus is with the disciples, and they are preparing for, 
for this major event when Jerusalem is going to be flooded with all of these people and they all need space and they all need a meal and they are going to be celebrating and here they are. They need a room. Not just any room. I mean, uh, in any home, any household within Jerusalem where they were going to be celebrating the Passover meal, they had to make sure that it was properly prepped. They had to remove any leaven from within the whole household. And they go to Jesus and they say, where will you have us go and prepare to eat the Passover? Jesus tells them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. When my wife and I were dating, I would go to extreme lengths to make sure that my plans and my preparations for various events were, were going to go smoothly. There were times even when I would drive the route that we were going to take ahead of time to make sure that I did not accidentally get lost on the way. You know, whenever there is an event or an activity, you want to make sure that there is planning, that there is preparation. And, and you know, as Jesus is instructing his disciples and telling them about this upper room and this place where they are to go, perhaps, perhaps Jesus went ahead and made reservations. Maybe. But that is not how the passage presents it to us. That's not the tone of this passage. No, he tells them to go into the city and look for a guy carrying a jar of water. Now, that would be irregular. Normally, men were not carrying jars of water. Normally, that would be something that you would see a woman or a slave doing. It would be odd. Now, maybe Jesus went in and found a guy and said, at 3 p.m., carry water, go that way, right? And kind of doubt it. This passage has this sense of the Lord Jesus sovereignly knowing all things, having a divine plan that has been prepared from the beginning. The disciples go and they find the man carrying the water who brings them to the room, the room that is already prepared. What is the effect of all of this put together? That what is happening here is according to the Lord's plans. And the Lord's plans always, they always come together. Jeremiah 29, 11, talking to the exiles, but a message that is true for all of us as well, says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. What are your plans that you have brought for yourself here this morning? I have good news. God also has a plan. He has a plan for you. His plan is to give you a future and a hope. 
God's plan is to extend mercy. Mercy to sinners like us. The second thing that I want us to see in this passage is the mercy of the Lord. They are going to this upper room to celebrate the Passover meal. Uh, The Passover meal was a feast that was declared in Exodus 12, the passage that we heard read earlier. It was a feast that they were commanded to keep forever as a memorial to the Lord, as a memorial of remembering how God had passed over Israel when he had brought judgment upon Egypt and how he had freed them from slavery. This was a meal to remember God's mercy. And there was a liturgy. There was an order to this meal. If any of you have ever participated in a Seder meal with perhaps Jews for Jesus or a similar group, you you can learn about all of the symbolism and the significance in this meal. You see, there was a process that they would follow every single year as they participated in this meal. First, there was a blessing, and they would give the same blessing, and then they would take what is called the first cup, and they would drink the first cup of wine. And then they would bring out a roasted lamb, a lamb that would remind them of how God had commanded them to paint the blood of a lamb upon the door of their home, telling the angel of death to pass over and not bring judgment. That lamb would have been roasted in bitter herbs, bitterness to remind them of the bitterness of slavery that God had rescued them from. And upon having the lamb brought out, there would be a second cup and they would drink that and they would break bread. It was during the breaking of that bread that Jesus said, this is my body. And then after breaking the bread, they would sing a psalm from Psalm 113 to 115 before they would enjoy the meal itself. And as they were eating, they would introduce the third cup. The third cup in which Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant. After the third cup, they would then sing another song from Psalm 116 to 118. And finally, the meal would be concluded with a fourth cup. This is God's liturgy of mercy. You see, it was not because Israel was so deserving. It was not because Israel was so great. It was not because anything that Israel had done that God had passed judgment over them. No, it was because he loved them. It is because they were his people. He had chosen them because he had covenanted with Abraham. That they were the people of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It was his mercy that brought about freedom from slavery. And this truth is emphasized even more in our passage this morning. For while they were reclining at the table and eating, they had already gotten to the part of the meal where they were eating the lamb. And Jesus says to them, he breaks the tradition and he says, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. Verse 19 says they began to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, is it I? Mark's emphasis of the response of the disciples reveals something that is true for all of us. 
we know in our hearts that we are sinners. The response of the disciples was not, is it him, but is it I? Because they knew in their hearts that they could. We are sinners, capable of great sin. Even sin which betrays our Lord and our God. And yet, God calls us to mercy. He offers us grace. He offers us redemption. The third thing that I would like us to notice in this passage is the redemption of the Lord. Verse 26, it's the next verse that's not printed in your pamphlet, but it says that when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The liturgy was never finished. This hymn most likely was Psalm 116 through 118. The hymn that comes before the fourth cup. They never had the fourth cup. They left before. What was that fourth cup? The fourth cup was the cup of consummation, the cup of completion, the cup of joy. Jesus in the passage, he says to them, Truly I say to you, verse 25, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. No more wine. Jesus would not have that fourth cup. Until when? Until the marriage supper of the Lamb, the marriage feast of the Lamb Why? Why not? What was happening here? What was so significant about this upper room feast? What was so significant about this Passover feast? You see, Jesus was doing something here. He was instituting a new meal. He was taking what God had already given to them in the Passover in Exodus 12 and commanded them to do again and again. And he was instituting a new meal. For he was the Passover lamb. Jesus says to them in verse 21, For the Son of Man goes as it is written. It was God's plan. It was God's plan going all the way back to Genesis 3.15 when he said, after sin had entered into the world, after the fall, that the Son of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. It was a plan that had been put in place from the very beginning, before the foundations of the world, in fact. It was a plan that God had been orchestrating. We can see back to that first point, how how this meal was planned out by God. It was divinely ordained, and he was orchestrating this meal, this time with the disciples here in the upper room, in spite of all of the, well, difficulties of a very full city, not a lot of room. It was a plan that God had been orchestrating since the institution of the Passover meal that he had given to Israel to celebrate and to participate in this particular feast year after year after year. It was a plan that God had been instituting 
in this very moment as he begins the Lord's Supper. When he takes the Passover and he, he makes it into something more, to something that it was pointing to from the very beginning. That Jesus would be our Passover lamb, that he would go to the cross, that he would die, that his blood would be shed, and that he would redeem us from our sin. Judgment was no longer being passed over. Judgment was going to fall. But not upon us. Upon Jesus. That we might be redeemed. That we might be restored to God. And so when he was with them, it says in verse 22 that he took bread and after blessing it, he gave it to them and he said, take This is my body. This is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and they drank of it. And he said to them, this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. This is my blood. Now, as Jesus was standing there at the Passover meal and he was saying, this is my body and this is my blood. He was not, you know, telling them. Magically, this bread has now become my body. You're eating flesh. No, that, they, that's not what was going on there. When, when he took the blood of the covenant, it, that wine did not all of a sudden turn into, well, human blood. The disciples, they, they understood. This is a metaphor. He's, he's communicating something here. Although we can understand why The early church was accused of cannibalism. The pagans around them heard them talking about this meal in which they would eat the body and blood of Jesus. No, the point was not that they would literally consume Jesus. The point that Jesus was presenting to his disciples, and that is true today, is that Jesus is present with them. Jesus is with them. He is present with them. And how is it that Jesus is present with us? It's through the Holy Spirit. Jesus is bodily present in this meal through the Holy Spirit. Through the work of the Spirit, Christ is with us. And what is Christ's presence declaring to us? That we are forgiven. That our sins are no longer upon us. That we can have peace. That we can have peace with God. For when he looks upon us, he does not see our sin. He sees his son. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ who has redeemed us from the pit. And we can have peace in life's circumstances. It's easy to get caught up in our plans. It's easy to get distracted when our plans do not go as we hoped. It's easy. And so God has called us to regularly come and feast. To enjoy a meal in which we might be reminded yet again of God's plan. Of his plan in our circumstances. That his plan for us 
is for a future and for hope that we might have peace in life circumstances because God's got this. He is working all things out and one day he will enjoy that fourth cup. The cup of joy. The cup of consummation. The cup of that last banner in which we get to feast yet again and it will be a wedding feast. God has a plan. I love it when a plan comes together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you We thank you that we can rest in your plan to rest and know that you are a God who has redeemed us. You have not treated us as we deserve, but you have given us grace. Because of your great mercy, you have called us to be your people. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that we can find at the cross. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to rest in your plan. Lord, I ask that you would help us to find peace in your plan. And Lord, as we turn to your table, would you remind us yet again of your presence? Give us peace in the circumstances of this life where you are with us. And would you remind us yet again that you have already done the work. The table has been set. The meal is before us. And redemption is ours to be had. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, may we rest in that this morning and this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.